It's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. That's no use. I'm not the man my father hoped I'd be. Only thing I've done right is put you in charge of the DEO. No, that's... That's the only thing that you've done wrong. What? Everything is my fault. I mean, all of this, it's... It's on me, okay? Look, a lot of bad things happened here under my watch. But I prevailed because I trusted my gut and my people. Alex, you have to trust your gut. You do that, and you will soar. You realize that um, wisdom literally emanates from you. You are exactly who your father saw you. How do we reconcile who we are with who we want to be, Alex? We forgive ourselves. Pacifism doesn't mean inaction. It just means that you have to learn how to fight without raising the sword. I was right to put you in charge. Oh, that was too soon. <laughs> okay, so you tell me everything that you saw. We're going to find Fiona and the people who took her. Yes, boss. Welcome in primers to this issue 122 of the DC Primetime Podcast from the Spotlight, as well as we have to go back, Lost Revisited, here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Capping Crew cast of pods, I am Rob Martin. And hopefully, maybe next year, we'll see. We had a fun idea for uh, yeah. a Halloween series. Um Actually, we might as well bring it up here just because I love the idea. I think we it's just, a great idea. because Just out of Halloween, but it's something exciting maybe for people next year. So Yeah, it's uh, I'll let you, you know. It was your idea, so I'll let you bring it up. You brought it up. We had a small get-together this weekend for yeah. uh, amazingly delicious homemade from scratch. And when I say from scratch, uh, like about the only thing that wasn't made ahead of time was the bowl. Yeah, <laughs> um, brownie unless, Sundays. Uh, oh, yeah, unless our friend like actually is really good at yeah, has a kiln in his home. But uh, <laughs> I even yeah. said that to Casey before we left. <laughs> before I left on Friday, I was like, you know, I, I'm literally surprised you didn't make these bowls before we got here. And Casey, now, he was jokingly from, like, "Oh, uh, I'm good at ceramics too." <laughs> but yeah, from scratch whipped cream, from scratch brownies, from scratch ice cream, from scratch chocolate sauce, 
Oh my god, and I felt so sick by the end of that night. Yeah, but in a, such a good <laughs> oh, way. Oh, such a good way, such a good <laughs> way. But anyway, um, so now we were we were having a conversation saying, you know, what would be really really fun is maybe in September uh, through October of next year, uh, doing a little podcast, uh, this the special two month podcast, going back and talking about Are You Afraid of the Dark episode by episode. Um, and yeah, so it sounds like something that we're definitely kicking around maybe it'll be a couple we'll talk about two episodes per episode and we'll kind of figure it out but uh we got to figure out the logistics of it but i think i think that might happen next year yeah that'd be uh, fun so something we'll probably record uh over the summer and uh kind of squeeze in and have ready to rock so once that comes up it won't impact our this show getting recorded but uh this is something that'll just kind of get released but Really love that idea, especially yeah. to kind of help bring in, you know, the holiday spirit for Halloween, because you and me both love Halloween a ton. And if nothing else, so. it would give me a good reason to go back and watch, like, Are You Afraid of the Dark and yeah, and such, because it's been a long time. Since well, it was kind of show. funny. Like, I, I was really thinking heavily about that show, because at random, right, or at Halloween, you know, we always watch Hocus Pocus, but we decided to take a gamble and watch Goosebumps. Uh, and we thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a uh, lot we, of fun. It was it was a great fun family film that really kind of reminded me of reading them when I was kid oh like when I was a kid and uh but it was just it, it was that perfect kind of holiday Halloween family film and I'm like man I they made me think about are, are you afraid of the dark heavily and how much fun it would be to do so. yeah yeah so that yeah that's something we're gonna toy with over the summer and and uh, uh yeah I like the idea I, I definitely want to do it so maybe there's another podcast. Oh, as my voice cracks. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Sunday morning. Uh, as my as my voice as my voice cracks, there, maybe there's another podcast that you could be on for next level, which is really really cool. Which yeah, that um, means I'll have three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what? It, there are some other new podcasts uh, in development right now. Thankfully, none that I'm on because I already <laughs> I'm already doing three, uh, four if you count the times I'm on Caffeine Crew. Yeah. So, um, and I even have one or two that I'm thinking of doing for myself, but I'm kind of backing off those ideas right now. Uh, <laughs> but Next Level is going to be growing into 2019, which is going to be awesome. Absolutely. And that's the idea. That's always the idea is to bring fun new content. And man, oh, man, we have to start thinking about some Patreons. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's an idea that's in in my head already, too. So, um, but back to business at hand. We do have only three shows to talk about this week, as Flash and Black Lightning were both on uh, break for Election Day this past week. So we have Supergirl, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow to discuss. For those of you that are new to the podcast, welcome into the family. Uh, how we do things is we will, first off, we will give each of the episodes our one of three-point ranking, that being Sidekick, Hero, or Legend. Uh, sidekick being meh. Hero being okay, and Legend being, well, pretty legendary for the week. And then we will go back and we will break down the episodes and talk about our favorite moments and such. So, that being said, let's jump back and let's give them our rankings for the week. Starting off first with Supergirl Season 4, Episode 4. What do you give this one, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? You know what? I was struggling with this. You and me talked just for a couple moments beforehand, and uh, you convinced me. 
Uh, it, it tips into legend category. Yeah. It absolutely does. Yeah. It's a, it's um, a, go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I mean, I was really, I was, I was really struggling to figure out if I want to go high hero or, or low tier legend on this. Um, so yeah, I think it crests into getting that 8.0 for me and then earning its legend. Uh, really fun again. It they're 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 continuing their trend so far. Yeah, and this is uh, I'm I'm with you again. I we talked about it before. Uh, low legend for me, and it's quite honestly, there's a lot of things that really impressed me about this episode. But there are two words that bumped it into legendary legend territory, and we'll talk about it when we break it down. But those two words, Manchester Black, man, such a great addition to this episode, and I can't wait to see how they're going to handle him for this yeah. season. Uh, yeah, I got there was a scene definitely by the end of that episode that definitely gave me chills. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Arrow season seven, episode four, sidekick hero or legend. Uh, I, I want to get it back to legend because there is a plot line in this running that I am incredibly, incredibly intrigued about, but just didn't quite get over the hump. Um, still really good, strong episode again. Uh, but I think I'm going to still stick with Hero on this one. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a mid to maybe high Hero. It, it's still, uh, compared to the way we were talking about these episodes last season, uh, the all, all of these shows are off to fantastic starts compared to the way they've been before. So if we say Hero, it doesn't mean... We're we're disliking the episode. It's just no, not at all. It's, it's it's not as strong as it could be, and that's how I felt about this week. It was a great episode. There was you know definitely some things that pushed the momentum forward in the show, but it's it just you're right. It just didn't get over that hump in the legendary for me. It's again good, not good, not great. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, and you know that's that never is meant to sound bad about reviewing one of these shows whatsoever. It's it's. Again, if we give something again, the way that we break down our scoring, you know, one through three, if we give something to three, man, that's uh, that means this was it it was terrible. The writing was bad. The acting was bad. If it's in the middle, that means, hey, you know, they're building to something and eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the payoff could be excellent or the payoff could be not so great. They've met par pretty much. Yeah. You know, they've they've they made par on the episode enough to keep. Like enough yeah. to keep us happy and excuse me but you know just didn't surpass our expectations yeah so uh lastly for the week we have legends of tomorrow season four episode three sidekick hero or legend um as much as i thoroughly enjoyed this episode uh i'm still gonna give this one a high tier hero um i think there was a li- it was a, definitely a little bit slower than the last few but again Really awesome and very fun episode. Yeah, this is one of those ones that, you know, kind of with you on Supergirl, I'm kind of riding that line. And I honestly don't know where I've fallen yet. Um, I, can't pacing, this- I think it was because of pacing, um, really. There was a lot of great funny moments, but uh, I don't know if just a, a good laugh or two pushes the story into that legendary. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm on the high hero, low legend um I'm on that line, and I think I'm going to wait until we start breaking down the episode before I, I, I finally land. But it, it's a good it's a good place to be for this episode. Um, you know, like I'm I'd say I'm between like a seven point five and an eight point two. That's kind of where I'm at. Too. Yeah. It, it, you know, uh, it's, it, it could bump into that legend territory. But if it does, it's at that very low. Yeah. Legend. 
So. I think I, I think I'm going to stay locked in though uh, at a, a very very high tier hero. Okay. So. All right. Uh, all right. Let's jump back to the beginning then, and let's start breaking down the episode. Starting first with Supergirl season four, episode four. Again, I'm going to butcher the title of this episode. Uh, Ahimsa. Ahimsa. Okay. Thank you. That's right, because that's what Manchester Black says to Chloe. Mm-hmm. That's yep. the, the line that they have back and forth to each other. Uh, Alex asks Lena and Brainiac to team up and help Supergirl. John discovers new ways to help his fellow aliens after running into Manchester Black. Uh, I just want to start off by saying I know the character that Manchester Black is, and I know who he is becoming by the end of this episode. But the storyline that we got with him and John in this episode alone, man, I could have not only welcomed but loved a martian manhunter manchester black spinoff oh my god it was good like the two of them working together they were the highlight of this episode for me Mm -hmm. um Uh, you don't mean tony stark's tech falling into national city no not at all (laughs) and i'm glad you brought that up (laughs) because that was a, a big um you know as much as i gave this a low tier legend that was kind of something that uh I didn't have a problem with, but I kind of shrugged that a little bit. Uh, you know, yeah, it, I did too. It's especially okay. because, I mean, all it needed was its own AI voice, and it was pretty much Iron Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. And But, I mean, again, I was okay with it. I don't really think there's a way to do a tech suit without comparing it to Iron Man mm-hmm. at this point. So, uh, I, I think the comparison is going to be made no matter how good it is. I mean, it could be... It could blow away Iron Man's suit, uh, but it's still going to be compared to Iron Man. Uh, So I just don't think it's a comparison you can get away with. So I didn't hold it against the episode uh, by doing that. Uh, What I do feel, though, what I do like about it is the fact that having Kara in that suit for a majority of the episode uh, really gave an opportunity for the rest of the cast of characters to shine. Because... You know as well as I do, the character of Kara was in the episode. Uh, Melissa Benoist was not. Yeah, she no. was not on set and, for until those the scenes. very end of the episode. You yes, know, when that was a stunt person in the in that suit, and and Melissa just doing a voiceover, mm-hmm. so she was not on set. So this really gave a good opportunity for the rest of the cast to shine, and they did. Yeah, I, I think they did a really good job again. I'm really loving John's new new role uh, that he's taking kind of as a man of the people and kind of we're seeing him kind of play almost de- detective through this, like kind of like what we've seen in, you know, some comics and, you know, even in things sm- like Justice, Justice League. Yeah, Smallville, all these pieces. And I think that that's really great to watch happen here because it's great to watch his character grow and not just kind of be the man behind the scenes of the DEO. Um, and that's been really cool to see them really taking a risk with his character and it's really paying off. Uh, but it's also, and one of the things we expected that was going to be happening nonstop this season with Alex was this really heavy involvement on looking at adoption. And that was going to be kind of her plot line through this season. Um, but we're watching her instead really struggle coming to grips with being the person running and operating the DEO and how her decisions are causing a a backlash for her that are probably going to start affecting her as soon as next week. Um, But it's been really fun watching this. And then, honestly, the one I really thoroughly enjoyed, and we saw it in episode two with Nia Nial, kind of interacting with Brainiac, and uh, 
we watched him deal with emotions really heavily with his scenes with him and Lena Luther this week. Yeah, I mean, there, he's, so not, was, he's not a robot. Right. And I loved I love <laughs> the kind of that reminder. He's like, no, I'm just techno organic. That's it's it's not the way that people think. It's just, hey, you're an android. And that's the end of it. Yeah. Um, but I really love the fact that they're being very careful and to make sure everyone is getting their opportunity to shine. We see Nia again uh, having some interactions with James. James struggling with major things again this week, too. But you're right. Like having Kara kind of take a step back was really, I think, the right move for this episode to remind everybody who these characters are. Yeah. I mean, and for those of and for those people who might be curious about the reason why Melissa Bonoy might not have been on set for these two episodes, um, I think the filming actually kind of fell timeline-wise into her Broadway run. So I think she was actually still in New York because she was doing um she was doing the Broadway show uh for a while actually, and I can't remember the name of the show for the life of me. But I think this kind of fell uh, – Beautiful was the name of the show. Um, and I think this kind of fell right in that timeline where they were back to filming while she was still wrapping up her her run on Broadway. So, I mean, it made complete sense what they did. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a, a, a stunt person in that costume. And then Melissa came back and did the voiceover and the close-up kind of the same way RDJ does for Iron Man. Um but again, I'm not complaining at all. Uh, you know, we, we just talked a little bit about that. It really gave the rest of the cast an opportunity to shine. Um, you know, talking a little bit about James and, you know, that plot line with, uh, with Guardian returning. This episode made me realize something. And it was one of those things that we had talked earlier with the whole storyline with James stepping back as Guardian and, and, you know, the possibility he could be arrested if he took up the mantle of Guardian again. And it made me wonder, like, okay, what are they going to do with the character of Guardian? Is it going to go more traditional to what we know from the comic books, being a part of Cadmus and and somebody else being under the helmet? Seeing James suit up as Guardian again, though, this episode made me realize I'm okay with James being Guardian. I really am. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've really came to terms with him playing that role last season. I, I did, too. But as much as I was excited about the possibility of it going the more traditional route because him not being Guardian anymore, seeing him suit up as Guardian and come into the fight, even if just for a moment, made me realize I'm like, you know what? It, this doesn't have to. I'm, this doesn't have to go traditional. I'm actually OK with this. I'm OK yeah. if they keep James as Guardian, which it looks like could possibly happen because there's an upside and a downside to him you know suiting up they you know he wasn't arrested there was actually word of them deputizing guardian which means he can continue to do it but the public didn't exactly look at it in such a, a positive light uh you know what one of the things though too it makes me wonder um because of this negative connotation now that kind of saying he's kind of the uh hero of ev- the every man like and they can say you know a human hero kind of all these pieces kind of like by ben like ben lockwood kind of stating all these things um and kind of shifting that it makes me wonder if we're gonna actually finally see the blue and gold of his suit to kind of break away from the uh imagery that we're seeing from guardian that'd so be, that'd be great if they uh, can if they can kind of mix um the current storyline with a little bit of the traditional by doing that I wouldn't be surprised if that's a possibility that we may see we may see a mod a, somewhat of a costume change uh, come into play. Uh, I will say, you know, one of the things that it finally hit me this episode is I, I I'm really missing Win um, in this season so far. Like as as 
a couple episodes in, I'm like, you know what? Everything's cool. Everything's cool. And I'm like, man, you know what? Windshot was such a big part of the show. And while Brainiac's doing a really good job, they still need a character in there that is going to help kind of fill in that that template in the show. That's the one thing I am noticing, though, so far. And that's really, again, it's just a small observation, but um, the humor has has been pushed down pretty dramatically in the show. Like, we're not seeing what we commonly saw through the first few seasons and again you know shows evolve completely but i think that's a little piece of the show that does still need to be kind of thrown back into the mix somewhere i I see that too but i think that i I could see how you can kind of put that on the character of win not being there and and that's why you have that feeling but i think it's also difficult to kind of get that kind of vibe when you're talking about something like xenophobia yeah, oh, no, no, that, that, it's definitely true. Um, you know, like I said, I think they're still handling those ideals incredibly, incredibly well. Yeah. Um, but I think it's ultimately, though, too, uh, I, I'm viewing this because, again, I, you know, bringing up viewpoints, uh, our viewpoints about the show. I know we're not the we're not, you know, the the main response of how this season is running. I know a lot of people are saying, yeah, it's very heavy handed. And we heard that this weekend. Hand- I heard that this weekend from yeah. multiple people. That they still think the show is very heavy-handed. We try to view this as who this the audience being us, but also kind of thinking about who this is written for. Um, this is written for a younger audience. It always has been. I mean, uh, you know, there, it's not to say that people in their 30s to you know 60s or 70s may not thoroughly enjoy the show. But again, this is written for you know the teenage to early 20s audience. I think primarily. Uh, if not even a little bit younger sometimes, uh, you know, but I think they, people, they're, people they're, who are happy watching award shows where they give you a surfboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a great way to put it. You know, it's, and it's, I, I generally think though, that they're writing to the, the, the audience that they're planning for perfectly. And I try to look at it in that lens whenever we, we review these types of shows is keeping that that mindset in mind. It's like why we gave things like, you know, Batman Brave and the Bold meets Scooby-Doo glowing reviews because not only did I thoroughly enjoy it, I kind of try to look at it as if I were a parent, where would I stand? Yeah. Uh, but I also look at it as me as a fan and then who it's written for. And that's kind of how I try to review each and every one of these episodes. So, and I, I think though that they're they're really achieving what they're setting out to do. And that's why we consistently give this show the scores that we are. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I, I, I do agree with that consensus as well. And it's um, – yeah, I really don't know what I can tack on to that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I mean I think it's just kind of saying that's why I'm saying that, that missing that little bit of humor. Um, that's why I'm saying it, it might be something that they do need to address because of, again, who the their, their target audience is. You and mean, I think that you mean might the, be important for them to do. You mean so. Tears of Logic didn't make you laugh? Like, <laughs> you know, I think Brainy's do, I think Brainy's doing a good job of adding a little bit of a humorous element to it. But you're oh, right. I, 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 think I absolutely it's, do. I think it's definitely a different feel without win. I mean, Brainiac and, and Jesse Rath is doing a fantastic job, oh, you know, yeah, of, of filling that hole. But it's uh, you're right. They're two different kinds of um, vibes from the two different characters. So, but I mean, I'm still, again, I'm still completely happy. I agree with you completely that this, this show is doing such a fantastic job of telling the story that it is and without, you know, in my opinion, being heavy handed. 
Some mm-hmm. people were looking at it differently, but you know they're still watching, which is what's important. Yeah, and yeah, honestly, that's that's really what it boils down to. It's like kind of like, yeah, the message they're definitely beating you over the head with it, but again, it's also an important message, and it's not being handled like the gun control episode. So, and you know uh, what? I think I, I I'm still sticking to my prediction that I think the whole xenophobia element of this season right now, uh, I don't think is going. It's not going to go the whole season. It's really not. I think we're gonna get a a big heavy handed dose of it before the crossover, and once the crossover happens we're going to see this show shift uh, and it's going to go into, I think it's going to go more into the red sun storyline. Uh, Cause we did see a little bit more about that. And it was something I didn't even really think about in that. Yeah. This clone or copy of Kara is going to be affected by that kryptonite too. And it's never really mentioned until the end of this episode where you see she was affected by it too. They kind of put her in, in a way that she you know, was protected from it. Yeah, and you got to look at it this way too. In in all of this stuff, the xenophobia stuff is building up to, hey, you know, can we trust Supergirl? And ta-da, here's an evil Supergirl. Yeah, and it's gonna shift all 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 of that thought. So the xenophobia, I don't know if it's gonna go away, but the Red Sun stuff is definitely gonna come into play. But it's gonna tie in heavily to the 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 viewpoint people have on Supergirl. Yeah. So, and I think that's where it, where the connection is going to be. But do I think Ben Lockwood is, and the uh, agent Liberty is going to be the big bad through it all? I actually don't. So I don't either. Yeah. Um, so one of the questions I have for you, cause I have two other things I want to bring up for this before we, we move on. Um, one of them is what do we feel the president is what's his ulterior motives? What's, because apparently he had given an order to Alex to kind of keep Supergirl under wraps. And do we think this is for nefarious reasons? Or is he legitimately protecting Supergirl from all of this backlash with aliens in the world right now? Oh, no, he's just an ass. Okay. Um, I think that's <laughs> Bruce Boxlander is, is playing kind of a bad guy. He, he, he is not the nicest president in the world. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, w- without going into politics, let's let's just leave it at that. That uh, he he is very anti-alien. Okay, so. all right, I can I can see that too, um, and that's actually where I'm leaning a little bit. Is that again? There's more nefarious things going on than than good, because uh, why would you go from one great president to another one and and not have you can't create a storyline around that around that. Um, but the other thing I wanted to bring up, the last thing I wanted to bring up is we talked a little bit about John and his role with the show and, you know, him stepping back and we're still seeing some of that family dynamic with him and, uh, with him and Alex and, you know, how he cares about Alex and how he cares about Kara and blaming himself. There's that moment in the beginning of the episode where he's mad and he's mad at himself so much to the point where he bends that table that he's on and that was one of those moments I was watching the episode and he bends that table I'm like oh shit John's pissed and it kind of got me excited because I like it when we get to see you know John in action and then we go it we whereas we saw Martian Manhunter make an appearance last week we see John in action in a different way this week in him teaming up with Manchester Black and with him kind of taking the step back and now with the introduction of Manchester Black and then by the end of the episode, seeing Manchester Black kind of move in the more traditional direction of his character. Yeah, um, we, we, we see him go from kind of like an everyman that is kind of dealing with. We definitely find out that he's definitely got some violent tendencies. His fiance 
is what kind of grounds him. And uh, upon her death, we, we see him take into that vigilante role that he's originally known before before he goes full-blown villain. Yeah. So. Um, and I think that's a good way to kind of set up what we're going to see with John for this season. I think Manchester Black is going to play very heavily into a John storyline rather than a Supergirl and DEO storyline. And I'm perfectly okay with it. As I mentioned, the chemistry between these two characters was enough for me that I wanted to see a spinoff. And yeah, I would have been I was, fine I seeing was, a spinoff. I was very impressed with uh, the way that they interacted and how they functioned together. And we're going to probably watch John try to keep him from uh, going over the edge. Uh, and I think I wouldn't be surprised if we see Manchester Black kind of pull John past his normal way of way of working. Uh, a little bit. I think we might see a John that's going to cross the line a little bit this season and realize he has to pull back and try to pull Manchester Black back. Yeah, I think uh, it, it'll be a very that's where we're going to go. It'll be a very interesting dynamic to see where, you know, uh, these are two polarizing characters where, you know, ordinarily we see two characters in a good and a bad who kind of like push against each other. And but these are I think you're right. I think these are two characters that are. Manchester Black is going to kind of pull John into where he's going. And at the same time, John is going to want to pull Manchester Black into where he's going. And they're going to ride that fine line in the middle. And they're going to ride it together. And I think it's going to be amazing to watch. I really do. I'm really looking forward to seeing that play out. Uh, So there was a really important line that we have to bring up in this episode. Uh, So we do see, obviously, through this whole episode two, uh, Ben Lockwood is using some uh, alien tech and some things were stolen from site B, AKA the DEO location from season one of Supergirl. (laughs) So, um, and we do see them actually, uh, take, uh, some equipment that we're no, we know is going to be used very, very heavily next week. Uh, because we get the tip off at the very end of the episode, but mercy and Otis, uh, are squaring off and trying to, uh, put down Supergirl, uh, by the end of the episode. And it doesn't go too well for them. No. Uh, but during that fight, right before we see the two of those characters meet their maker, uh, I loved the fact that Otis takes a swing. I think it was at Alex or no, it was at Supergirl and said, welcome to Otisburg. Yes. <laughs> so uh, which just made me laugh out loud. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great nod for us who love the original Christopher Reeve Superman. And it's just I, I love when they do stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But uh, we do see the one alien that they had under their control um, before uh, Mercy and Otis could uh, could injure Alex and Supergirl. But at the end of that fight, uh, shoots its spikes out of its arms and actually kills the two of them. Yeah. So uh, very surprising. Yeah. Yeah. No more Mercy and Otis, which I I didn't see them being long term characters anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, uh, you know, yeah, this is the end of those characters. And you're right. We're going to see more with the Parasite. Uh, play very heavily into next week's uh, this week's coming episode yeah so very very excited to see parasite coming back and i love the fact that they're kind of shifting hosts because it goes back to that original time the first time we met parasite in supergirl where it felt very much like the thing and i think that's a great way to do this yeah yeah for sure uh looking forward to this week's episode of supergirl parasite lost which is episode five uh colonel haley which i assume is the colonel that we had just met at the end of the episode uh, makes a surprising decision about Supergirl. Meanwhile, Kara writes a series of articles about aliens in National City that end up putting them in harm's way. And by them, I'm assuming 
she's talking about James and actually probably the newspaper itself. Yeah, probably Catco. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, so far, I'm absolutely loving this season of Supergirl. Yeah, I, I really am, too. Yeah, I think I think next week's episode is going to tilt Catco into journalism bias, I think, is what we're going to see next week. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, yeah, so that's it for uh, the discussion about Supergirl. Let's move on, then, to Arrow Season 7, Episode 4, Level 2. Oliver and Felicity each make drastic moves to find Diaz. The new Green Arrow swoops in when arsonists target Renee's community center. Really? That happened? Wait, what? Yeah, that's what it says in the description. I don't remember arsonists. Say again. It says the new Green Arrow swoops in when arsonists target Renee's community center. Uh, well. <sighs> Is that where it was? Oh. Well, that's where that's where the meeting was in the very beginning of the episode. That was at the community center. Where... Oh, okay. Right. So yeah, so that, that, that kind of, that the fact that it was the community center kind of blew past me. They don't really bring up the location, but I think it's just you're meant to believe okay. uh, because the synopsis tells us so. That's where they were. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. And then the fa- the last piece of the synopsis is Dinah faces pressure. Uh, Dinah faces pressure from the mayor to capture the vigilante. Oh uh, crap! We got to stop. We missed something major in Supergirl. We did. We absolutely did. Okay. The National City Fairgrounds. There was Bebo's everywhere. Oh, that's right. Bebo <laughs> played very heavily into two of the three episodes this week. It did. It um, absolutely did. I just had. I, I was like, wait, we have to talk about Bebo and Arrow. But <laughs> oh my god, we forgot to talk about Bebo you're, in Supergirl. You're right because Otis kind of uh, plays with the kid who has the the Bebo, and I think what's he? I think he knocks the Bebo out of his hands or something like mm-hmm. that, and tells him it's, it's like a. Uh, this is like a um, an anagram of life or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember what it was. But you're right. Yeah, Bebo is in Supergirl this week and Arrow yeah. this week. Sorry. Sorry. I, no, I, I feel bad about it, cutting you off, but it's, it's an important thing. No, it's, it's us. totally fine. <laughs> so, exactly. When it comes to I, us, we can't not mention Bebo. I feel like I need to have a ticker for like every time <laughs> Bebo appears across the Arrowverse this season. So far, I think we're at three. I'm, had, I'm telling you right now, the day... I know this. We'll talk about this a little bit in the news a little bit later. But the day that it is announced that there are Bebo products on the shelf, I'm going to own one. Yeah, I don't like. I will pre-order it. I don't care what I have to do. I want a. I want a Build-A-Bear Bebo. I I actually just want a Bebo that actually has a voice chip in it. This says Bebo hungry, and <laughs> I love lo- love you. I and- lo- lo- love you. I, that's if it says either that or Bebo wants cuddles because <laughs> again last season and I know Bebo um, got on people's nerves but for some reason you and I just really took to Bebo and a lot of people did they put it on San Diego it's not just us they put it on the bags for Legends of Tomorrow for San Diego Comic Con this year so let's let's be honest it's not just us. no it's not just so. us <laughs> so but you're um, right it's yeah Bebo plays very heavily and I love the fact that they just continuously throw him in there. Not just on one show. Like, they're not just exclusively keeping him the legends. We're seeing him pop up all across the Arrowverse, which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, all right. But jumping back to Arrow. Sorry about that. No, it's, it's <laughs> totally fine. Uh, I think you're right. I think we would have been uh, amiss if we didn't bring that up. Uh, but jumping back to Arrow, again, uh, Dinah faces pressure from the mayor to capture the vigilante. And I want us to lead with that because I have one thing that really... I realized by the end of this episode, uh, and that is Dinah's back on my shit list. 
I don't know about you. She was starting to shake it a little bit, and I totally understand why they're making her character the way it is. And yeah, she does kind of come around by the end of the episode in that she helps Renee and she helps the Green Arrow escape. But for some reason, there are just moments of this episode where the character of Dinah just really still rubs me the wrong way. I haven't completely shaken last season yet. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I'm kind of there still, too. Like, I'm get, I feel like I'm past it with Renee now. But Dinah, ha- Dinah hasn't quite got back into my good graces yet um she's just coming off so cold this season and that's not where she needs to be uh she really needs to they really need to do i mean again by the end of this episode you had a better feeling of where she's gonna go and i'm okay with that i'm generally i will say that I, i feel i felt a lot better by the end of the episode than i did through the bulk of the episode uh, I can see her getting ready to turn the corner, but it's going to still take a couple episodes. Yeah, and, and I think it's even going to – I think she's going to have to turn the corner and also stay that path for a while before I'm going to finally come back around on her character. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as simple – at least not for me. I don't think it's going to be anything as simple as her – like next week, She the whole episode, she's on the side of good and she's helping the vigilantes again. Uh, I, I think it's. I think it's going to take her riding that riding that path or staying on that path for at least a short period of time before I'm going to start coming around again. Yeah, I will say there is definitely one character definitely on my shit list. <laughs> so uh, can I take uh, a guess and say and and who that might be? Oh, absolutely, go for it. Uh, I'm going to say Felicity. Uh, yeah, she uh, she crossed the line into super obnoxious this week. Yeah, uh, I agree completely um, on I, that. I really and it's a shame, too, because I was really thoroughly enjoying the kind of the start of her character this season and where she was kind of kind of going. And I'm like, okay, cool. She's going to be the one that's going to help bring the team back together, kind of help make sure that the vigilantes continue to keep Star City in check. And by the end of the first episode, I'm like, no, I I don't think she's going to do that. And I think she's just going to piss me off for a few episodes. Episode two hit. Yep. Yep, she's pissing me off. <laughs> Episode three. Oh yeah, absolutely pissing me off. This one. Oh yeah, no, she's she's. I'm I'm, I'm kind of done with her until they kind of pull her head out of her ass. At this point, it's the way that, and I hate to say this about any any of the characters or the actors in the show. The way she's portraying her character right now feels so horribly forced. Like it's not working. The what whatever she uh, Emily is right now doing to portray the character, I just don't think is working at all. I, I, I it feels very over the top. The dialogue feels very stilted, uh, and not just even there, but also now too, it's impacting Laurel. The, the interactions they're having together feels like the most ham-fisted dialogue that they've written in a while. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm I'm a little concerned because I was really looking forward to where, you know. Earth to Laurel was going like and seeing where you know Black Siren was going to go. And we got some good scenes from her. But like it's just, again, the interaction between the two and those characters having a like we go back to Supergirl. And we talk about like John and Manchester Black and they have this really good chemistry back and forth. These two characters did not have any chemistry together no. in the in these scenes. And that's why she's kind of on 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 my shit list is it felt like, and again, I don't really put it on Emily. I, I think it's the way it was directed. I think it was the way it was written. And kind of what they're doing with her character, I'm not behind. So no, and that's I'd... really what it boils down to. There's there's definitely a good chance. We definitely see her use her brain by the end of it. And she's not like this 
like tiny little rage panda through the episode. Um, and <laughs> but by the end of the episode, she feels like she's she's getting back to the felicity we want her to be. And I'm hoping that this was just that stopgap to get to that point. But the last couple episodes, she's just been driving me nuts. But yeah, no more rage panda felicity. Let's, tiny let's get to back rage, to tiny little rage panda. I love that. Um, no, I agree with you completely. And it's it's one of those things that I feel like. The writers are trying to force us to believe that with Oliver in prison, she's the one stepping up to be the ruthless one. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't fit into the character of Felicity. Um, you say that, you know, you you don't put it on Emily. And I don't either because, I mean, again, I actually get to talk to our friends about this a little bit after you left on Friday about how the opportunity to meet Emily and she's just so wonderful and sweet. And I don't think... I, I think the writers are kind of trying to make her portray herself as that hardened character. And everything we've seen of the character of Felicity, Emily might be able to pull that off acting-wise because she's she's a great actress. But I just think the writers are kind of trying to force that on us when we're so used to being Felicity being a different way. Um, this would be one thing if you know, uh, William was killed and Felicity feels like she's the one to blame because now there's motivation for her to be this hardened, this hardened character. But just to bring the team back together, it just, it doesn't feel right. Uh, She, she does have motivation right now, but I think ultimately though, too, it's just the way that they're, the way that they're trying to get her from point A to point B. It's too quick. It's too quick. And I think, their their excuse is well oliver's been behind bars for three months so uh and she lost everything she had her as far as her life i totally get that but i think it's ultimately though too she's always kind of been one of the since arrow has started she's always kind of been one of the hearts of the show that helps keep things in check and you know when they do a storyline where John and Ollie are butting heads with each other. She kind of reminds everybody, hey, she, we're, we're doing this for a good reason. She and, is, and this was something that was brought up in Legends. She's the moral compass. Yeah, and she was she was the moral compass for such a long time. Diggle was that way too. But, I mean, we're, we're seeing – it feels like, again, like what Legend said is the team lost its moral compass. And that's one of the problems I think Arrow is struggling with a little bit right now is they need somebody to help kind of ground things. The funny thing is this season, the person I didn't expect to be the moral compass of it all is Renee. Uh, and I really like him in that role. I think it works well. But now you're stuck and you have to figure out what to do with Felicity's character. And I think that's where the show is struggling a little bit. But I'm, I mean, I'm I'm pretty confident and pretty sure that Beth Schwartz, the new showrunner, has a good plan, and I think all it is right now, and I'm, I'm not. This is not chastising Arrow what whatsoever. This is saying, I think they just needed to find a way to get to the point of the setup that they were trying to get to, and I think based on their timelines, when the crossovers happen, when Oliver's story wraps up, that they maybe had to force some things to be able to make sure things lined up later. I can and see again, that. that that sometimes completely totally happens, but I just think again. Very stilted writing here. Um, not the best chemistry between these two actresses uh, in their scenes together. And it's a shame because, you know, I really kind of love what they're doing with Black Siren right now. I think that's a really fun, interesting story. Uh, and Felicity is a character normally. Yes, I know very clearly if you've been a longtime listener in the show, we have blasted her character a ton. <laughs> so uh, and it's not because we hate her character. It's just we think the way that she's been written uh, in uh, several of the seasons of the show have not been to the betterment of her character. I think it's right now, though, they're still trying to find a way to climb out of the hole that was dug last year 
and um, they need to get her adjusted and into a new role. And sometimes it's very hard to do is changing perceptions of a character uh, like we're seeing still happening with Dinah. Uh, it's very hard. And, but you know what? There's an area where Dinah is shining right now, though, too. Um, it's just not in the present day. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think the show is course correcting in a, an incredibly great way. I really, really do. I think they're getting out of the situation that they caused for themselves last year. Um, but that takes time. It really does take time. And I think Emily's character, you know, right now with Felicity is a bit of a stumbling block. Uh, and I think um, I, I'm pretty sure give it an episode or two. And I think we're going to be back to the Felicity we love. I think I'd so. be- I think I'd believe it a little better uh, if she kept the pink in her hair. <laughs> Uh, just because that would make her a little more hardened and a little more edgy. Uh, no, I, I, th- I think you're right. I think we're going to see this kind of come around. And I think we even saw it come around a little bit by the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think so. When we see we see her make sure to let Silencer get out and for them to be able to track her and get back to Diaz. So. But I think it's also a good point, too, that, you know, as part of that conversation, you know, Black Siren says, like, you're starting to remind me of the Felicity of my world, who runs an empire. But, you know... You have you do have to realize that when this comes around and we track Diaz, um, the next step is to kill him. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's almost it's weird how we're kind of questioning the the hardenedness of Felicity, whereas that's actually what Black Siren does in this episode. So yeah. it's it's almost a little meta at that point, and that as viewers, that's what we're doing, and then the character of Black Siren is also doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But I think you're right. I think we, we kind of saw it course correct a little bit in this episode, seeing Felicity use more of her brain rather than her brawn. And I think that's where we're going to be going forward at the yeah, same time. Well, I think, again, I think we're getting back to this that like right, probably about back to where that season two Felicity was. I think that's exactly where we're headed. Um, and I, I, I'd be incredibly excited for that because I'm pretty sure, again, that's where we're going and we're going to see um her character no, they're going to get confronted with having to kill Diaz and I think we're going to see them both make the right call and I think that's going to tie nicely with Black Siren's redemption angle of kind of just wanting justice uh and kind of Felicity kind of being like nope it's not the right way uh because that echoes what we see with Ollie's storyline this week too of uh, which was odd <laughs> I'll yeah. let you handle that one <laughs> yeah so. it, it was really odd i mean we're seeing um and I saw a comparison of this online as like level two of prison is almost like like the second level of prison was almost like a second level of hell. Uh, and we do kind of see Oliver go through that a little bit. We we see him meet this new level two psychiatrist who has very odd ways of, you know, getting into the inner meetings of, of these inmates. And I, I want to think I'm, I'm trying to figure out whether or not there's more to this character or if he legitimately is just this psychiatrist who does this to everybody. And this is almost, I, I want to say by the end, going to help Oliver. Um, I mean, I don't, I think it's very difficult to see it in that sense right now because of everything that Oliver's going through. He's going through a lot of anguish. He's going through a lot of pain and he's almost brainwashed to the point by the end where he's no longer calling himself Oliver. He's calling himself his inmate number. Uh, and, you know, we've seen that before. Um, I know you're not completely caught up with it, but it's a form of conformity. And we kind of see that in The Walking Dead where, you know, with the Negan character, everybody who follows Negan says, I am Negan. And, you know, I, it's weird to make an Arrow and Walking Dead comparison, but it's 
kind of what we're seeing come out of this and that now he's conformed to just being an inmate. They've kind of robbed him of his individuality and what was making him kind of conf- confront the authority, the authority in the prison. So, but I don't know if this is something that in the end might ultimately help Oliver at the same time. It's weird. I hope I'm making myself. Uh, I, I, I get that. I, I, the only thing I'm kind of still unsure about was by the end of the episode, you know, there's a question that's repeated to Oliver by the psychiatrist consistently every time that they meet. And I think they have three, three meetings, four meetings in this episode. Um, three or four, yeah. And, and the start of every, every one of them is, good morning, inmate. Uh, first question is, could you please tell me your name? Uh, and, you know, it's... The first response is, you know, I'll, you know, to be, you, you know who I am. My name is all, you know, I'm Oliver Queen. Then we get, you know, I'm not going to answer that. And then the last one is his inmate number. Um, I almost kind of took it as a different thing. It's like, I don't know if that was him kind of losing his identity. I think that's him kind of saying, you know what? I, I'm not sure still. Uh, I, I still feel like maybe Ollie's playing him at this point. Like, you're going to see him break a little bit, but I also think, though, that uh, he's not going to lose himself in this. I think we're going to see him come out of this. And I agree. I think we're going to see I think we're going to see him come out of this. The classic Green Arrow. And I think that's kind of what's going to happen. Well, that's what I mean. Like, I think in in the long run, I think this is eventually going to help Oliver. Um, But I think at the same time, maybe you're right. Maybe he's just playing him. And when he says, like, I'm inmate five, uh, four, five, eight, seven, that's him kind of playing the psychiatrist to make him think he's conformed. And he really hasn't. It's it's an interesting line because I really I, I really don't know. That line that line makes you unpack a lot. And you're, I'm not quite sure on where it's going to go yet. Uh, I also wouldn't be surprised if that psychiatrist is the demon. So. Oh, I didn't even think about that. See, there are a number of different people who the demon could be. And I think next week we get the reveal yeah. of, of who the demon is. Because uh, you and I talked about this a little bit before, too. There's only um, a number of different – I think there's only three more episodes before Oliver is getting out of prison. Uh, you know, next week we have the the episode of the demon. The following is due process, which sounds like it's probably coming to the end of the wrap up of him in prison. And then Slapside Redemption, which is at the uh, episode seven, uh, you comparing to Shawshank Redemption could potentially mean a prison break. I don't know. Uh, or it could just mean he's redeemed and he's released. So it, we're going to have to wait until that happens. So we still have three more episodes with him in prison. So whatever this story is and whoever the demon is, we're going to find out relatively soon, if not yeah. this week. So, but that's an interesting thought. I never had. A, I never thought that 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 the psychiatrist himself could be the demon. Yeah, I, or everything that's happening could still just be a hallucination at this point. I got, I got, I have no idea. <laughs> so. I don't think it's a hallucination because everybody else kind of knows who the demon is. Uh, you no, know, we true. saw Brick. You know, the demon well, no, has their own maybe- cell. I'm saying is that the psychiatrist and all that stuff could have been a hallucination though too. Oh, I, I didn't think about I, that. I don't think that's the case. It's a possibility, but I don't think it's the case. Okay. So, yeah. So I can see that. It's a big, um, again, big wait and see. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or it could be this week. We don't know. 
uh, which wouldn't exactly be a big wait and see. Uh, it'd be a short wait and see. Uh, one other thing I think I know we definitely have to touch base on is when it comes to this episode is these flash forwards, man. Um, well, before we even get to that, I think we have to talk about Green Arrow. <laughs> so, well, and then kind of maybe close up with the flash forwards because that's I mean, such a separate story. Is there really, is there really a lot to unpack with Green Arrow? I mean, we're seeing. Well, I, I think one of the big key things we're seeing here is we. That's the one reason because we didn't really get into it on Dino. We said I was saying you know we see her character kind of turn a corner. We see her kind of make the call that Quentin had to make in season one of helping the new Green Arrow. But we do see him kind of coming to save the day a, a couple times in this episode. Um, the reason I wanted to bring it up is do you have any personal thoughts at this point in time now on who that new Arrow is? Not one. I really don't. I tried thinking about it. I can see it being Roy. Um, I think it's only a possibility for three people at this point. Is Roy on your list? It is. He is. Okay. Um, there were even moments where I thought it might be Dinah, but I don't. I, I'm I'm past that. It's not Dinah. Um, um, I can tell you my my three. Yeah, tell me your three because Roy is really the only one I can think of at this point. Roy is a possibility. The second is actually Barry Allen from Elseworlds. Oh, um, I didn't even think about that. Uh, and last but not least, because we live in the Arrowverse, it's William. It's William from the future. You know, so, I, you know what's very interesting is because it ties very tightly into what we're going to talk about in a it, few minutes. It does, and but you know what though? Out of all of those three, Roy is uh, Roy is just the obvious one. But knowing what the crossover is. Man, the Green Arrow being Barry Allen of Elseworlds could be a fantastic tie-in to the crossover. Because it, it, it kind of is this backdoor like buildup that we just don't expect. I mean, I know I brought up, hey, what if it's Malcolm Merlin? And <laughs> surprise, surprise, we have something to talk about this week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, even he's on my list because of, well, some news stories. I actually we can just filter in the news story here because it makes the most sense. But uh, because it fits this talking point. But it, as I jokingly said last week, I was like, I would not be surprised to see Bearman come back. And maybe he's the one under the hood. We found out officially last night uh, that John Berryman is indeed returning in season seven of Arrow, reprising his role as Malcolm Merlin. Granted, we don't know how and where. Yeah. Could be in flash forwards, could be flashbacks, could be present day, because again, no body, no death. Um, so who knows? So it's a big wait and see. Um, but yeah, I'm very curious to see how the whole thing is going to play out, because we, we brought him up not as Arrow, but as the demon. Uh, potentially. And that's still possible. That's still completely possible. Yeah. So, um, Dude, so I'm, I'm, so, I'm so stuck on this idea of it being Barry. I really am. I think that's such an intriguing thought that I never thought of. And if if it gets revealed that that's indeed who it is, again, I think that's a fantastic lead-in to the crossovers. Like, what better way to introduce these characters of this world to the idea and the presence that these other characters exist and have it be a fantastic lead in into Elseworlds. And then by the end of Elseworlds, you've kind of gotten rid of that other arrow so that Oliver can step back into the place. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but when we see the green arrow in this episode, we do get a glimpse of the person's eyes, whoever it is. Um, they are a little bit more demure in stature compared to Oliver. They're a little bit smaller. Um, 
And Barry kind of fits that perfectly. Now, granted, I, if that's if that is indeed who they reveal it to be, if it does come to that, I don't think that was Grant Gustin under the hood. That was just simply a stuntman playing the role. But I really think that could play out, and I think that would be brilliant if that's what, the way it is. And that's I, not something I can take full credit for. One of our listeners, and I really wish I could remember who it was, in either it was they commented on a news article a little while back. Um, you know, going back maybe about two weeks and brought that up and I thought more and more and more about it. And I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a ton of sense. Uh, so again, sorry that I can't remember your name, but uh, if you listen to the show, even though I know you definitely pay attention to the Facebook page, uh, <laughs> man, kudos on you. That was, That's an amazing, amazing fan theory. Uh, one that I would love to see play out. But I really want to see that play out. I, I think a future William is a really large possibility too. I really, really do. I could um, see that too. Yeah, um, I think it's less of a chance, honestly, of Roy and more if I have to lean towards any two. It's it's alternate Earth Barry or again, uh, a, a, the future version of William having to come back. So okay. maybe trying to put a stop to what becomes of Star City um, in about 10 years time. So God, I want it to be Barry. I really <laughs> I really I don't know why I'm so stuck on that idea, but I really want it to be Elseworlds Barry now. I, just because I think that would be some of the most brilliant writing for a lead-in to this crossover. Mm-hmm. I, I think if the writers found a way to incorporate the crossover into the entire beginning way of the season without the viewers even realizing it, I, I think that's I think that's genius. It would be brilliant. It would be really brilliant, but... Are they that smart? <laughs> so. I, yeah, and that's the thing. Is like, do they really think of things like that? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about the flash forwards. Um, okay. Because, and I think that you're right. I think it's a good way to wrap up talking about uh, this week's episode. In uh, we're we're definitely seeing a lot more. We've gotten reveal of uh, Dinah still being alive and uh, back to being a vigilante. We don't know if she is currently a canary because she does have that scar across her throat now. Right, uh, which I thought was very interesting. We obviously know that anti-vigilante uh, movement is still full on. In fact, pretty much it's a shoot to kill kind of thing yeah. at this point. So, uh, And I found it very interesting, too, that when we get the reveal that, you know, that Dinah is still alive in the future and she does have that scar across her throat. The next time we see Dinah in the in the current day, there is a guy coming after her with a knife. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, OK. That, that's fun to play with, but I know Dinah's not getting her throat slit right now. Like, that's just not going right. to play out. Um, but at the same time, we do see in the in the current day, Dinah give um, uh, Chloe... Zoe. Uh, Zoe. Um, the Black Canary pin. Uh, and then we get the reveal uh, again in the future that Zoe is has stepped up to be i don't know if she's a canary i'm assuming she is because she's wearing that pin yeah Um, and i think maybe what it is is too is it's kind of like the best way i can put it is if you guys think of and shad this is a tip off to you you're welcome sir uh kind of think (laughs) about batman uh batman beyond and you think about the jokers gang maybe it's kind of like there's a there's a group of canaries at this point because well there's been enough of them already in uh, arrow so why not add another one into the mix yeah very true so <laughs> very very true uh but yeah we see her wearing that pin and she is part of the vigilante movement and um but i think the biggest thing that is mentioned in the the flash forwards and i don't know if it's true or if it's something everybody is just assuming but that is felicity smoke not Felicity Queen, 
I don't know if you picked up on that. I did. Um, is is dead. Mm-hmm. So, because we do see the reveal of Smoke Technologies, which is where William and Roy go to uh, to get a Rubik's Cube, which uh, I thought was a lot of fun to play with, uh, revealing to be a map with uh, secret ways into the glades. And But, you know, it is mentioned by Dinah that uh, Felicity Smoke is dead. Yeah. Uh, and you know what the question is, though, too, with what you bring up, Felicity Smoke, not Felicity Queen. But we've never also even – I don't think I've ever heard her called Felicity Queen in this show, though, too. So that may not be really anything there. So let's okay. wait and see. All right. Yeah, that's that's very, very true. I didn't yeah. really so, think about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, um, one of the things we also learned through all this as well is uh, that we know that – even Roy going back to that city, uh, he is putting his life in danger that he is still wanted as a vigilante there. And it's kind of a shoot to kill order. And we also find out that the glades have been completely walled off and away from, um, you know, the rest of Star City. Very a la um, Arkham, Arkham City. And I thought that was a kind of a cool little twist. So I kind of like that angle that they're, they're very much kind of looking back to that that game that many of us have played, you know, in, in the Batman series, in the Arkham series. But yeah, it's the Glades have become Arkham City. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, again, not a lot to talk about with the cross with the flash forwards. But uh, to me, and I think you agree with this, too, that story is becoming more intriguing than the the, the current storyline. And I'm really interested to see how these cross these flash forwards are going to play out and where they're where they're going with them. But I think it's going to come around that the the main story, especially once Oliver is out of prison, uh, it's going to come back around to that's going to be the more interesting point. Oh, absolutely. 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 And again, it's and it's not to say the main plot right now is bad. It is just the the future plot, even for like maybe what, five minutes, six minutes of total screen time of the episode. I really want to know what's going on with it because it's a really interesting and unique, cool story. I always kind of love some of the stuff with flash forwards when you're trying to piece together why and where did people get to the places that they're at? I mean, DC Comics did a great thing. Oh, quite with God, it's probably about over 10 years ago now uh, after Infinite Crisis when we did one year later and just watching all these characters and you have to kind of fill in the blanks. Um, you know, whenever we've seen these in comic books and TV shows and sci-fi, it's always fun to try to, to put together those parts. And I, I really love this idea of doing flash forwards going forward and kind of building out the future of this world and how bad it could get. And how they're going to try to deal with and rectify those problems. So, yeah. So it's it's a, it's a cool story to tell. So. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you completely. Um, but I think that's that just about covers it for Arrow this week, unless you have anything else. No. Uh, again, Bebo. Bebo makes his great return yes. here, too. Uh, we see Curtis uh, show up <laughs> to the hospital while Zoe's recovering from the attack on the community center. Uh, from the smoke inhalation and drops off a of Bebo. And even Renee's is kind of like, really, Bebo? And he's like, no, no, no. Bebo was for people of all ages, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> Which is exactly why we love him as much as we do. We do. But again, <laughs> another another Bebo doll. So uh, Bebo's second triumphant return this week. Exactly. Praise Bebo. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Looking forward to next week, we have episode five, The Demon. Felicity learns something new about Oliver that shocks her. Meanwhile, Diggle asks Curtis to go undercover for Argus. And Dino works with an unlikely ally, which I'm assuming is probably going to be the Green Arrow. Probably. So, which well, we will find out. Um, oh, actually, could be Anatoly, because we know Anatoly's coming back this week as well. 
So she could be working with Anatoly, or Anatoly could be the demon. I I don't know. We will find out this week. Yeah. All right, moving on finally to Legends of Tomorrow season four, episode three, Dancing Queen. While the legends are when the legends discover a fugitive is hiding in 1970s London, they realize he is part of a gang that is targeting the British monarchy. Uh, trying to stop the gang, they realize someone from the legends must infiltrate them, surprising everyone. Ray is the one to gain their trust. Um, you yeah. mean rage, not rage. Ray. Rage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, th- again, a lot of fun with this episode. I mean, you can't go wrong with a corgi with a mohawk tattoo, which I thought was just, I, I laughed so much. Yeah, I, yeah. Again, I, like I said, I, you didn't give your your uh, your score on this. So by the end of this one, we'll, yeah. we'll get your take. Uh, like, again, I loved Ray. Ray is one of my favorite characters in this show because he's just, he's just precious. I mean, he really is. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Uh, he just makes me smile. He he is always so positive and so optimistic and so like such a good person. And to watch him have to try to break that mold this episode it just had me laughing every time he had a sequence or a scene. It was him, you know, like just them in the punk punk bar, and we're seeing, you know, like Zari and you know John Constantine and Mick and Sarah all dressed up like nineteen like early nineteen eighties punks. In Britain, which was perfect because it fits, you know, Constantine for one perfectly, considering, you know, he used to play in a punk band in the yeah. comics. Uh, but one of the things, too, and I got to bring up, if you haven't checked it out, um, they did actually release another music video like they did last year. Yeah, um, um, I forget the song that they did. Um, I want it's not a bad reputation, uh, but no, it was it was a classic punk song that that they covered. Uh, where it was just awesome to watch because now that whole sequence makes all the sense in the world. But I, you know, again, it's it's the it's that little wonderful split of watching all them there, and it, the cutaway to the van of Ray waiting in the car to get them out and kind of be the extraction for the team as he's sitting there listening to disco music, uh, and then it goes back into the hard edge, like grungy old old school punk rock of the early '80s. Uh, and then again, back to Ray listening to disco music. And it was just so much fun to watch because he's just like all smiles and just like dancing in the car. And just he just makes you smile. It's impossible not to in- enjoy his character. Yeah, he's just so much fun to watch. And uh, especially when he gets to break the character uh, a little bit as he does, especially this week and see him kind of portray a character that he's just not used to portraying. Um so, yeah, he's just – I love when they do the race storylines, especially, I mean, because we saw – I've mentioned it before in um, – oh, God, what was the name of the episode when they did the King Arthur? Um, oh, yeah. Um, it was ca- the Camelot 3000 episode. Which, which was even mentioned this week, too, that yeah, he was Ravens knighted. of the Palms. Yes, <laughs> yeah. when he was knighted by Guinevere. So, um, yeah, when it does his, it's just, it's some of my favorites. And I know we're going to get more of them this week, too, um, because of, uh, we're going to see more of him playing with, and forgive me, my mind's blanking completely on. Um, Charlie? Uh, no, not Charlie. Um, oh, God. Uh, Nora, Nora Dark. 
Okay. When we see her character going, so when we see her character come back into it, we're going to definitely see more interactions with Ray and Nora uh, that I'm sure are going to be just so much fun. Oh yeah, um, I absolutely absolutely agree. I, and I the know music we, video, we the music video was to the clashes. Should I stay or should I go? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I, that's why my mind was blanking because I was I was kind of trying to make my point while looking to see what the music video was, and I I couldn't process two thoughts at once. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, but I mean, it, you know, seeing the whole Ray, just seeing Ray have a lot of fun. And there was even moments where I thought, wow, we're getting a badass Ray by the end of this episode. But it turned out to be Charlie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, taking the form of Ray, which I was like, okay, I completely well, understand. We got to back up that. a little bit because we haven't even got to who Charlie is. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Let's. Yeah. Let's. Okay. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Yeah, um, a little bit. It's okay. Well, it, it happens. We are. We're getting the introduction to the newest member of the Wave Rider. Not so much yet in that she's part of the team or he is part of the team. We really don't know whether this character is a he or a she. Um, cause we know that this person can take up is a shapeshifter can take up the form of anybody. Uh, and when we do meet Charlie, they have taken the form of one of these, I think somebody she saw in a toothpaste ad, I think was what she had mentioned and she just yeah. liked the smile. So she took up the form and then became this a member of this group of a punk band. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the, the trouble that comes into play with the, this whole anachronism is the fact that, you know, she portrays herself as the queen. <laughs> so and ends up pretty much causing anarchy in the UK. Like yes. the old punk stuff always says, you know, uh, which was kind of great to watch that play out is the fact that just because of her appearances there, everything changes. Um, and it was a really kind of fun take and a really fun, simplistic story that was. Not too crazy, but again, it, it, she brought a lot of interesting um, – she brought a really interesting edge to this whole thing. And she seems like she's going to be a character that's a ton of fun to watch because she kind of seems like she's going to fit in very, very nicely with not just Ray, but Mick. Oh, my God. By the end of the episode when, you know, when Ray and Mick are standing there watching her and she's like calling them tossers and, and such and Ray's like, well, she's certainly uh, not Amaya. And Mick's just, I like her. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of great fun interactions between these characters. Uh, it would be interesting if Mick is finally going to get a love interest in this season. And I could see that being a very large possibility. Um, but I also could see that him butting heads with Constantine over this one, too. So it's a big wait and see. Uh, but yeah, it's, it was it was a really kind of fun thing to watch. Because, again, we, the reason she takes the role uh, in the appearance of Amaya was um, when Ray has infiltrated the punk band. One of the things that does happen while he's trying to suss out who the magical being is before finding out that it's Charlie, they kind of think of him and view him as an arc when they find a photo from last season when the band was dressed as, you know, a a, a disco band. Yeah, (laughs) which I thought was was, such a great tie in. And I love the fact that they they bring back things that they did last season because of it, it just causing trouble for them and. I love that it causes trouble for Ray in this situation. And that is just kind of like you were in a disco band. Disco sucks. You're, you're definitely <laughs> not a punk. <laughs> so uh, but it was so much fun to watch that kind of play out. But again, he brings up the fact that Amaya, since Amaya has been gone, who was kind of their 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 centerpiece. That it was the heart of their team and keeping them moving forward. It was, uh, you know, that moral compass role that when they try to kind of send her back to hell and get her off of the plane 
you know, she takes that shape. And before that, they take her out. Uh, the team freezes and Constantine chooses not to do anything as far as sending her back, but does choose to strip away her ability to shapeshift. She is stuck as a Maya. So and that's a really interesting way to bring Maisie Richard Sellers back. And I think it was a really creative way. So kudos to uh, the writers on that one. Yeah, it was a very creative way to do that, but also at the same time really change the character. Because we are, we're going to see a different personality come from this character of Charlie, even though it is still the face of Amaya. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, I think what's really going to be see interesting to play out, and we do kind of get a little bit of a touch on it too, uh, is uh, the, the Nate and Amaya, or the Nate and Charlie interaction. Uh, you know, we did find out in this episode that, you know, one of the main reasons why Nate took the desk job with the Time Bureau is because every element of being on the Wave Rider reminded him of Amaya. And he starts to realize by the end of this episode that he's getting over Amaya, or he's gotten over Amaya, uh, and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens the next time he steps on the Wave Rider and he sees Charlie. Yeah, and we know it's not going to be the next episode because even as Sarah comes to visit him at the Time Bureau, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, I see her face everywhere. And he's, she's just kind of like, uh, maybe you should stick around here for a little yeah. bit longer. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's, it's very – one of the things I wanted to question, and this is kind of breaking the topic a little bit, but we, you know, we did get definitely a lot more – interesting things playing out with Constantine. Uh, we did see him take the moment to, you know, he says he's going to the pub and we do find out there is a, a deeper meaning to that in that he's actually gone to see his parents and he kind of really wanted to uh, take it out on his father for abandoning, uh, not well, not abandoning him because he was, he wasn't abandoned by his father. His father just kind of put him down a lot when he was younger and he literally just wanted to kick his dad in the nuts uh yeah. which i thought was very interesting because we got to see something play out something brand new <laughs> yeah in, in that there it was it, it created it was a paradox the, it was the ball kick paradox <laughs> <laughs> yes. which was hysterical and it had me laughing <laughs> absolutely my ass that off he's, on that he's one. not able to kick his own father in the balls because it would it, it would prevent undo him, his existence yeah <laughs> it would it would prevent him from being able to uh, to procreate, which would undo his existence, which means no one would be there to kick his father in the balls. So it was an interesting paradox and in just seeing him completely disappear and reappear on the floor. Um, I thought it was just a lot of fun to play with that element of time travel. I, I Well, it's the first time that they've ever said you can't undo your existence in this universe. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, nice. Thank you, guys. This is the first time that's come up into play. And I really kind of appreciate that they did that. Like they can't be the the only they can't be the one responsible for it. Somebody else can, but they can't be responsible for their own disappearance. Yeah, exactly. and I, I thought that was a nice layer that they added to their own their own mythos on how time travel works. But again, it was a it was a great sequence and a lot of this fun. You can see that Matt Ryan was having, as he put it, trying to attempt a back alley vasectomy. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and you know what? The more it happens, I know it's only been three episodes, but the more we get of John Constantine in this season, the more I'm more and more I'm loving his character. Um, mm -hmm. I was already a big fan of his character too, but I think when it comes to a solo series, when it comes to Arrow and when it comes to legends, as great as I thought the solo series was, man, this to me just seems like the best fit for his character. In it this really universe. does. They're really excelling at having 
giving him an ability to have a lot of fun. Matt Ryan just plays that character beautifully, and it, he is Constantine. Uh, but having him be able to work with an ensemble is perfect. And I'm really, really, really happy that they made the call to bring him in. Yeah, I, and I hope it sticks around. I hope it's not after this season comes, he, if he does leave the Wave Rider, I hope we still get elements of him in the season, like, you know, guest starring appearances from him in future episodes. But I mean, again, that's next year. We will worry about that when that happens. And if he's as big, if people love him as much as they do now, I could see them finding a way to keep him around. Yeah. I I, really hope they do. Um, Um, I, we get we, there's a duo we have to talk about this week. Well, the before, time bros. well, before we do that, <laughs> so, um, okay. one more element to Constantine that I'm really looking forward to is one of the things that, you know, he hadn't mentioned was that he's never wearing a costume. He's never going to change. And this week we kind of saw that he was in an element where he didn't have to do that. Looking forward to next week though, that's going to change. Wet hot American bummer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're going to see him in camp counselor attire, which I can't wait to see. Uh, but you're right. There is another duo that we have to talk about, and I'll let you take the lead on that one. Uh, so I love the fact that it's. I was worried not having Nate around when we talked about last week on how that's going to impact his character. But man, oh, man, was that a fun side story this <laughs> week, though, too. Watching the, the time adventures of Nate and Gary uh, – we're just wonderful. <laughs> well, not only um, that, but we got to see in in their storyline, in essence, we actually got to see two fantasy anachronisms or uh, whatever they're, they're calling them in the show. And I was actually a bigger fan of theirs than I mean, I understand the one for, you know, for the legends was the introduction of Charlie, uh, which made a lot of sense. But man, they got Audrey two in theirs. I was going to say, I was like, I was like. <laughs> And there was something amazing about, you know, they they go in and like, well, I guess it just, uh, you know, the, the the anachronism fixed itself. We don't have to deal with anything. Let's just head back. And then later in the episode, we just see Gary says, you know what? I, you know, I got you a little something. It's just a, a thank you for our, our, our first mission together of, of fixing things. And, you know, he brings in this plant. And as soon as you see the plant, I'm like, oh, that's not going to go well. No, that's Audrey, <laughs> too, from Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. It's it was the it was it was the the little time bureau of horrors. It was the, I think is the the title of our this podcast episode. Um, but yeah, I think in in all honesty, it was something amazing about at the end of that where they see the plant actually sprout legs and run away, and you see <laughs> yeah. dust. Nate break like a paper cutter, you know, <laughs> and then just going after it. And then we get the cutaway and this. It's the return of the office just wrecked and covered in just green slime everywhere. And just Jess McKellen's uh, Ava coming back in and be like, oh, dear God. It's like, what What did you two do? <laughs> and I just love, like, it, th- there's so many fun lines between the two of them, you know, when they're doing that. <laughs> where, like, even at the end of the episode where, you know, Nate tells um, tells him, like, you better change your shirt. I can see where your nipple used to be. Used to be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And it's, I, a, it, the, it's again, it's for, another one of those instances where I could see a total spinoff of these two characters. I Yeah, I, I think that's why this show is consistently just exceeding my expectations oh yeah um and again it i still gave this a hero uh because it was still not as strong as what we've gotten from the show so far and i feel like i can't give every episode of of legends a legend uh and i do have to be somewhat critical on it but i think it's just the fact that the nate storyline uh and, and gary stuff was great and it was a fun wonderful throwaway that made me smile and made me laugh 
But I think the main story did drag on a little bit with the punk band. You know, uh, some of the small things that they did with like Nate stealing the corgi. Very funny. Uh, but it re- it's when you look at it, it's like, did it really bring that that much to the episode itself? Um, it was, again, really amusing. There were some great scenes again with uh, Brandon Ralph. Uh, we, we watch him get the the, you know, the corgi with the mohawk tattoo, which is beautifully fitting of Ray. Uh, but I, I think um, it, it was a, this was more of a build up to something even better. And that's what we're going to get from Charlie and her involvement with the team next week uh, or this week's episode. So, again, really fun episode. I wouldn't say the best of the best, but really fun. No, and I'm, I'm with you, too, thinking about my rating. I think I'm right there with you. I think it's maybe like if, if eight is bumping it in this legend territory, I'm at a seven point nine. Um, and I, I think you're right. I think that, you know, the main story was a little bit stalled, but for good reason. Uh, you know, it was a great introduction of this character. Uh, it was a great way to, you know, to, to do it, you know, bringing it into like the, the anarchy days of, you know, the seventies rock, uh, seventies London rock scene. And it's always fun just to see them go into those time periods and, you know, time periods where we never expect. So going into the punk scene, yeah, it was a lot of fun, but it was more that side story with Ray that kind of set up the future of the series. And that's more what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, really, really fun. Um, can't wait to see where it goes, but uh, awesome. And uh, yeah, and if if you disagree with my uh, my score, I can say I'm deducting points for a lack of Bebo this week. We could have been <laughs> three for three. <laughs> that's true. We could have gone three for three. Oh, well. Uh, but looking forward to, uh, looking forward to the future. We already mentioned it. Wet, hot American bummer. Uh, when the legends discover that kids at summer camp have disappeared, Sarah, Ava, Ray, and Constantine find themselves as new camp counselors. Uh, and Ava at camp, Ava struggles to get along with the kids, but Constantine whips up a potion that helps Sarah and Ava bond with the children. That should be fun. Uh, but that actually, that makes it even more exciting because think about it now. That means we've got Zari, Mick, and Charlie butting heads on the Wave Rider. Done and done. I'm I'm all aboard. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Rory and Zari are tasked with watching the fugitive and Rory finds a kinship with their prisoner. Oh, could we see that potential love interest for Mick? That would be interesting. Do it up. I'm ready. <laughs> so... Uh, all right, so that's going to wrap it up for the breakdown of this week. Uh, but there is a couple news stories out there, so I'll turn it over to you for the news. Uh, like I said, we already mentioned uh, the uh, news story about John Berryman returning back into season seven of Arrow in a unknown, uh, you know, way. So we'll we'll see that play out fairly soon. Uh, we did find out uh, again too. Um, you know, the Shadowhunter star Catherine McNamara teases her mysterious role uh, joining into season seven. Uh, we don't know too much, but they did say this. Uh, she's a street fighter, so she's a boxer in an underground fight club. Uh, she grew up in a very rough environment and is in the very much a product of the environment. So whereas, uh, you know, Clary from Shadowhunters, which was her character there, was a very, uh, very much the hopeful optimist. Uh, Maya is uh, very much the realist and the one to punch first ask questions later so we'll be seeing her make her appearance uh, fairly soon so this is the character that a lot of people said just kind of drawing a lot of ties to uh buffy from buffy the vampire slayer okay so uh mm-hmm. we'll see how that plays off but it's the question of does she have a modern day role or is this a future role 
um, in uh, in that series. So we'll uh, we'll wait and see. Um, jumping into a little bit of Legends of Tomorrow because, of course, we brought up the blue furry god of the uh, <laughs> of god of time in the Arrowverse. Um, they did say officially this. So. Legends of Tomorrow writers did say, Dear Legends fans, we hear you. <laughs> the accounts made it like, We want Bebos too. Our advice, let at DC Comics know on Twitter. Maybe if enough people show their Bebo love, we can pull off a Bebo Day miracle. So uh, so if you want Bebos as much as me and Ben do, uh, just make sure to uh, jump on Twitter and send it to at DC Comics. Let them know it is time. Especially with the DC Universe uh, app, there's uh, exclusive merch that you can buy. So maybe that could be one way that we could uh, end up bringing Bebo into existence. So, Dude, could you imagine if there are Bebos on the shelves by Christmas? It will literally become like a jungle, a jingle all the way scenario for DC fans. <laughs> well, I don't know if I would, I would go that far. Uh, <laughs> I, I would. Because uh, they're going to be like, hey, we sold six of these. And they only went to two people. and They're both in Pennsylvania. What the hell? <laughs> Uh, All right. So uh, one last big thing in the Arrowverse proper. Uh, we also this week did see our very first official uh, shot of uh, Lois and Clark together for the Elseworlds crossover. And uh, so, again, Tyler Hockland dressed up as Superman, uh, still looking like a fantastic Superman as usual. Uh, but this is our first time that we are actually seeing Lois. Uh, and uh, I got to say, man, they, you know, Elizabeth uh, Tulak is pulling off the classic Lois Lane look. It's a big throwback to Superman 2 uh, and the dress that we see Lois wear when they visit the Fortress of Solitude. So uh, very much a throwback to Margot Kidder. So very cool, great nod back to the Richard Donner film. So, But the shot looks great. Uh, really can't wait to see you know the way that they're going to interact with each other. We do know that they've been together for quite some time and they're in a very happy, comfortable relationship. So it sounds like this is going to be very more akin to Lois and Clark, uh, the classic TV show. So, yeah. And she's so far just, I haven't even seen her portray Lois yet, but I'm already a bigger fan of her as Lois than I am of Amy Adams. Mm. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> so, all right. So let's jump over into the DC universe streaming app and service. Uh, we got a little bit of stuff to talk about with Swamp Thing. Uh, officially, Alec Holland and Swamp Thing have been cast. Uh, so uh, it chapter two star Andy Bean has been cast as Alec Holland. They did say we will see him a little bit in the very beginning of the series, obviously, but we'll also see some flashbacks about who he was prior to the accident that transforms him into Swamp Thing, the Defender of the Green. Uh, but we did find out officially that Derek Mears, uh, who was in the Friday the 13th reboot, will be the one playing Swamp Thing. So uh, looking forward to seeing how that whole thing plays out. But uh, I think two great casting choices. Uh, looking forward to seeing how that's going to play off. Yeah. So, uh, But yeah, so we'll be seeing a little bit more. Uh, one other piece of casting. Uh, we have found out that Henderson Wade uh, has been cast as Matthew Cable. Uh, so, and Matt Cable is described as a Louisiana lawman who finds himself in dire straits when supernatural evil threatens the town he's sworn to protect. So we'll find out a little bit more about his character soon. Uh, again, we'll, uh, you know, he's, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> Henderson uh, Henderson Wade is best known for portraying, uh, you know, the sheriff in Riverdale. So a lot of you may already know him. Uh, he's oh, also been on uh, The Last Ship, uh, American Horror Story and Extent. So. Uh, but yeah, uh, great actor. I, I I love him on Riverdale. So uh, we'll see him uh, join in the fray on Swamp Thing. So I need to get caught up on Riverdale. 
Uh, I, 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 I want to watch season three. Uh, I heard it's a little weird so far, but I thoroughly love season one and two. So. All right. So jumping into some movie news, a little bit to talk about as far as Aquaman. It sounds like the official runtime has been announced and it seems like the movie is clocking in at 143 minutes. Uh, originally, it was stated it was 140 minutes, but it sounds like that has been bumped up by a couple minutes. Could be because of after credit scenes, things like that. So big wait and see. Uh, but we did find out officially that the first early screenings um, of the film have happened. And a lot of people have come out and said officially their thoughts. Uh, I can all read a couple of those for you all now. So uh, they said, I can say I have seen Aquaman. I can't talk about details, but I can ten- uh, tell you it's a major achievement in filmmaking and storytelling. It displays that Walter Hamada is doing a great job. It's evidence that James Wan should be directing more films at DC. Uh, the next one said Aquaman is now my top DC movie. You've heard it here first. Uh, I was one of the first to watch it on the West Coast. Um, then a couple of the other reaction roundups was Aquaman is my top DC movie now. Um, again, um, is this a thoroughly great film? And then another one said Aquaman was so good. Uh, and then let's see. It said I can say let's see. Nope, that's one I already repeated. <laughs> uh, they the way that they put this aggregate together is a mess. So I apologize if I'm kind of going through this. And then uh, some that's saying a little 50-50. They said, so about Aquaman, or reaction from the uh, final film, it's pretty good. Not groundbreaking, but very solid. Action is great. Story is all right. CG is decent. Score is meh. Uh, and then uh, Mary and Arthur are a little bit hit and miss. And overall, though, it was still a great film. Uh, and then uh, one of the other people jumping in saying, for those asking, audiences seem to have really love Aquaman. Uh, I haven't heard a single bad thing yet. Beautiful, funny, and adventurous. It's really everything you want it to be. So, uh, so a lot of positive things coming out there. So it's um, you know, again, this is could be a fan screening, and this could be internals. Uh, you know, this seems like this is primarily fans responding, and a couple people that were probably chosen for uh, a test screening. So it's uh, one of those things you have to kind of take with a grain of salt when you get some of these. We've we've seen these in the past not be the most positive things in the world coming out of this where everybody said this was phenomenal. Uh, but this is not the only place I've seen these. I've seen these jump up quite a few other places already. Uh, it sounds like there's been at least seven or eight big screenings of it for uh, for feedback, and that's pretty much for them to make last-minute changes or additions, or not additions, but more along the lines of if they need to tighten up some editing, Yeah. Uh, that they have the opportunity to do so. But it sounds like so far, so good. Uh, and Aquaman will be with us on December 21st. Man, it's coming up quick. And our last news story for the week is we have found out officially the death of Superman and return of Superman animated films are going to be appearing on the big screen. Uh, It will be happening nationwide, taking place uh, on January 13th and 14th of 2019. Uh, It will be done as a double feature presentation. So uh, death of Superman and reign of Superman. So um, again, if you are just waiting for it to hit digital, that'll be hitting a digital on January 15th. So a day after the screening. And then it'll be available for Blu-ray and DVD combo packs on January 29th. So, and that wraps up our news for this week. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Reign of Superman too. Uh, and uh, you know, that might be something possibly for uh, to go do <clears throat> is go see them both in theaters. Uh, it could be coming because you know what was the last one we saw? Um, uh, Killing we Joke. saw Killing Joke. Yeah, we did see the Killing Joke in yeah, theaters. Yeah, we saw Killing so. Joke in theaters. So that'd be, that might be kind of cool to you know to go see in theaters. Uh, but yeah so uh, moving on a couple recommendations for this week Um, the only one I can have the only one I really have is uh, I've been hearing rumors that there's 
a possibility of them actually tying in the old Constantine series to Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, because I did hear a rumor about a possible actor from the legend from the Constantine series making a guest appearance on Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, somebody that may have also appeared on things like Lost yes. and Oz and uh, so on and so forth. So that should be enough of a tip off for you. Yes. So. Uh, so my recommendation this week is if you are liking what you're seeing from Matt Ryan as Constantine, if you haven't already seen the original Constantine series, which I think was only 15 episodes. I believe that's where it fell. Uh, but yeah, you can watch that on the DC streaming service. Yeah. And I, I'm. it's one of those ones that I think I'm actually going to go back and rewatch because it's been a while. So, yeah, uh, I, I feel like I kind of need to watch it a little bit again now too, just to kind of refresh my brain because I, I think I cut off midway through. So yeah, but it's it's um it, it was a great series and I think that's um I'm gonna do that. So my recommendation to you this week is if you haven't had an opportunity to see that, I don't think you're gonna have to have need to have seen it to get what they're doing with the tie-ins, um, but it might be it might just be fun to go back and rewatch. So uh, if you have an opportunity, go back and rewatch the original Constantine series. Uh, as for me, uh, I have found a new obsession, and it is a video game called the Test- uh, Tetris Effect. Uh, I believe Ooh. it's only available on PlayStation. Uh, it did just come out the other day. I think it came out on Tuesday. Um, you and had me at Tetris. It, yeah, so it's a uh, <laughs> price tag. Some people might scoff at it a little bit. It is 40 bucks, but I will say it is the probably best version of Tetris I have ever played. Um it adds actually a fun element. Uh, there is a phenomenal, two phenomenal music puzzle video games that are out there that have been around for quite a long time. Some of you may know it over the first game being called Luminous, um, which was kind of a kind of Tetris like game, but everything disappeared when you lined up your sets by music tone. Um, so when a song hit a certain beat, everything would wipe out. Um, so you kind of set up and the music does the rest. Another game, also another big classic from the PlayStation 2 era, is a game called Res. Uh, another just phenomenal, phenomenal music game. Uh, but the creator of both of those actually tackled Tetris. And uh, he brings that kind of style of music impacting Tetris. And it is phenomenal. So as you clear lines, the music tones change, the beats change, uh, and it kind of becomes this really interesting different twist on classic Tetris, but they do and add some cool new things. You have kind of a meter. So as you clear more and more lines or get a full Tetris, AKA wiping out four lines at the time, uh, it builds that meter faster. And if you find yourself in a tricky situation where things are, the speed is getting too much for you, you can use that meter to slow time down for just a moment or two, kind of set up a couple things, kind of clear your brain and move forward. But it's got a great campaign. Uh, it also has PlayStation VR support which I am going to be checking out for the first time after the podcast. So that'd be kind of cool. I can't, um, and yeah, it's, it's great. And I love it. It lets you hold pieces too. So you can put a piece in reserve. And if you have a piece that comes down, that's going to screw you up horribly. You can swap it with a piece in your reserve. So they added some really fun little pieces, but then there's some other things you can do. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I, 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 I had a nasty migraine yesterday and uh, I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sit here and play Tetris and do nothing. So, um, but also a, a good secondary recommendation too. Uh, collection six of Great British Bake Off has officially <laughs> was added on Friday night. Uh, I am already halfway through. So <laughs> I'm still I'm still on um, Great British Bake Off the beginnings. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, we, we we finished that uh, about a week ago. You finished so, that in uh, a day? Uh, two days. Two oh, days. was it two days? Okay. Uh, I will probably be finishing Collection Six today. So all right, yeah, I yeah, and that's something that I need to. Uh, 
I, I need to I need to finish beginnings. I might do that today too. Uh, and actually, that season did wrap up in Britain uh, just uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So this is uh, sounds like uh, Netflix is now officially going to be getting seasons just uh, a matter of weeks after they wrap. So. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so I think that's going to wrap it up for about that. A couple cheap plugs, and then we will get out of here uh, for the rest of the week. So you can find myself uh, with all of the other podcasts that I do, as well as this one, on the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com, as well as Facebook on facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. And, of course, there is a Facebook page for this podcast. If you don't already like it, we suggest you do. Go on over facebook.com slash, next, uh, slash DC Primetime. Uh, as for me, you can always find me, too, at nextlevelradioonline.com through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. That's the monthly roundtable pop culture discussions. Uh, we just had our Halloween episode a couple weeks ago, and we're gearing up for our Mel Brooks episode. Feels like I've been talking about that episode for about three months. Yeah, but I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, so we'll be uh, gearing up for that probably in the next week or so. And uh, that'll be coming out probably right around the end of the month. Uh, maybe probably right, maybe right around Thanksgiving, hopefully, is the... Uh, is the hope so you'll be hearing from that fairly soon but also a big special good thanks to our good friend george shaw at georgeshawmusic.com we thank him each and every week for the tunes he provides to the show i also wanted to uh, come out and say as well uh, i think we did talk about it again last week but one more time a big huge special thanks again to everybody that did donate to extra life um which was awesome oh and there is one other last minute thing we have to do i almost forgot so we did. Uh, we will indeed uh, be reaching out to um, the. You know, I think we already reached out to the winners for for the prizes for Extra Life. Uh, if we haven't, apologize. We'll be doing that. But we also had another giveaway from Voting Day. Uh, we asked you guys to put up your stickers saying "I voted," and we were going to give over our crossover hoodie. Yeah. Uh, so we will reach out to you guys. The winner, uh, me and Ben, will discuss that right after we wrap up. And uh, we'll make sure to reach out and we will get that hoodie out to you guys and the uh, extra life prizes out to the winners as well. So uh, thank you guys so much for all the help. Again, extra life was a huge success. Uh, the Nationally, I think we have crested into the nine million dollar territory. So already the best of the best. So which. Yeah. And which I'm already I already can't wait until next year. It's I mean, yeah. I love doing that every year. So I do, too thoroughly thoroughly enjoy it um but yeah so i think that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode next uh next week's episode of dc primetime we're going to be back to all four shows so that'll be you know fun to talk about because we're quickly quickly approaching elseworlds and hey we get we also get ragdoll this week oh that's right we get ragdoll in the flash that's right because i got excited about that last week and <laughs> it wasn't happening this week because of uh because of election day but um yeah, so that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Again, thank you for being a part of the DC Primetime family. Thank you for subscribing, for listening, for all that you do. Uh, but until next time, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Peace.